Well, when you and I forget that God really is a holy God and He's to have a unique, distinct place in our lives on the throne of our hearts and our lives, we tend to make decisions kind of like that coyote. That was one of my favorite cartoons when I was a kid. And y'all just look here. They'll get the lights back on me in a minute, uh, hopefully. But uh, when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite cartoons. And I was always intrigued by how many ways the coyote could create pain for himself because he was always chasing that roadrunner. And some of us do the same thing. There's, there's something we want so badly. I mean, we want it so much that we chase after it. We make decisions. We, we change our way of doing things. We change our value and approach to life. And the whole result is we end up doing things in, because we're chasing something we want so much, we end up doing things that hurt ourselves. We end up making decisions that hurt our loved ones. We end up making decisions that get us in a mess, kind of like all those Christmas lights I had up, had up here last, last Sunday. Our lives just get all tangled up. We get all in a mess, and we, and we lose hope and wonder, can we ever fix it, and can we ever, can we ever move forward, and can things ever be better? And that's where some of you are right now. You've chased after something. You've chased after someone, and because you were, you made some decisions. You, you didn't let God be on the throne of your life. You let whatever it was you're chasing be on the throne of your life. And the result was you made some choices. You made some decisions. And you've hurt yourself. And you're in a mess. And you're wanting to get out of it. This sermon series is about that very thing. About the messes that, that we create. Now, I know other people sometimes create messes for us. But we're focusing on the messes that we create for ourselves. And, and last week, we, we looked at the fact that God will let you make a mess of your life if you choose to go down that route. And that some of the consequences for our choices cannot be avoided. You can't just say, oh, God, I'm sorry, and the consequence go away. Sometimes we do things, we make decisions, and the consequence shows up, and there's nothing we can do about that. You can't undo it. Now, you can go forward, and we'll talk in a few weeks about how to do that. God has a future for you. But that doesn't necessarily undo everything from the past. And we're using as our case study the people of Israel, the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem in the 600s and 500s B.C. As their story is told in the book of Jeremiah. So I'll go, go ahead and open your Bible to the 7th chapter of Jeremiah. The case study is the people of God, the Jewish people in Judea in Jerusalem, and how they had made a mess of their nation. They made a mess of their life. For decades, they have been a conquered people, first by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And eventually, they got so bad, ignoring God, doing what God did not want them to do, not listening to God, that everything fell apart. They ended up in a mess, and not only were they a conquered people, but their homeland was absolutely destroyed. The Babylonians came in and leveled the countryside, leveled the walls around Jerusalem, burned the buildings, I mean destroyed the city, burned the temple of God, and carried a majority of the people away as slaves to live in Babylon. They would never see Jerusalem again. They would die in that foreign country. And so it was all a, 
Emmaus. And I said last Sunday that at the very core, at the very heart of their problem was idolatry. Now, you and I think of idolatry as you've got a little carved idol and you worship it, and that is an expression of idolatry. But idolatry is essentially not allowing God to have His rightful place in your life. God's to be on the throne of my life. God's to be on the throne of your life. And idolatry is when I take God off the throne of my life and I allow something else to be there, something that I'm chasing. Because if God is on the throne of my life, I'm going to chase God and I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to make godly decisions. But when God's off the throne of my life and I begin chasing someone else or chasing something else, that's idolatry. And I end up making decisions that I think will enable me to to catch, like the coyote with the roadrunner, let me catch whatever I'm chasing, not realizing that the whole time I'm chasing what I shouldn't be chasing, I'm trying things I shouldn't try, I'm going to fall off the cliff. I'm going to end up in a mess of some kind. I'm going to make some decisions that bring pain and heartache into my own life. And so today... We're going to put some flesh on that idea of idolatry because it shows up in our lives in very practical ways. Today we're going to look at how it shows up in in our approach to living, our attitude about life. And then next Sunday, how it shows up in the way we treat God and the way we think about God. And then in June, we're going to look at how do you get right with God after you've messed up? You've put Him off the throne and made some bad choices. How do you get right with God? And then how do you go forward? How do you claim the future that God has for you? But like I said last Sunday, there's no, there's no going forward with God. There's no, there's no moving into the future God has for you until you're honest about where you already are. And until you come face to face and are honest about your own sin, your own idolatry, your own choices, your own approach to living. So that's where we're going to focus this morning in the book of Jeremiah chapter 7 and There's a place in your insert to take some notes and some blanks to fill in. And so let's look at how this removal of God from the throne of their life, idolatry, if you will, how it showed up in their attitude about living, their approach to daily life. First is this. Here's how it showed up. It showed up in that they did pretty much whatever they wanted to do. They were the master of their own life. They they were the master of their own choices. They did pretty much whatever they wanted to do. Jeremiah chapter 7 is a sermon that the prophet Jeremiah was preaching at the gate to the temple. In other words, he's standing at the door as you went into the temple area to worship. Imagine I'm standing out front. And, and to get into this room today, you had to pass me. And rather than standing here and preaching, I was standing at their entrance and preaching as you were coming into this building. Jeremiah's at the entrance to the temple area. And he's preaching this sermon that's recorded in Jeremiah chapter 7. And one of the things he says that describes how idolatry expressed itself in their life is found in verse 24. He said they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart and went backward, not forward. Now look at that again. They did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their own heart. Your Bible may translate the word that in my translation is counsels as advice 
or inclination. It comes from a, a root word in the Hebrew language that means advice, advice that you get. And here's the point he's making. They lived according to the advice that came from inside themselves. They lived according to the counsel, to the wisdom that came from in here. They weren't inclined in their ears to listen to God. They, they, they were stubborn. And instead of listening to the Word of God and basing their decisions on what God says, basing their approach to living, their approach to priorities, their understanding of values right and wrong on what God says, on Scripture, on truth, it came from in here. It was their own advice, their own counsel, their own thinking. In other words, well, you know, it makes sense to me. We say it like this. Well, you know, I think... You ever said that? To justify something? You ever said, well, you know, I feel as a way of justifying how you want to think about some issue or how you want to, to approach living, what's right, what's wrong, what's important, what's less important. You know, I think, I feel, you know, to me, our culture is really big on that. If it feels right to us, if it makes sense to us, if, if it resonates with us, then it has to be right. We listen to our own counsel. And, and so, yeah, I know the Bible says, but, you know, I think, yeah, I know the Old Testament or the New Testament. I know the Bible says such and such, but I feel listening to our own counsel, our own advice, instead of listening to the Word of God. The problem is when you take God off the throne of your life and via idolatry you chase something else, your heart, which is wicked as he says, evil, sinful, in fact, Jeremiah said your heart is deceitful above all things in another passage. When you take God off the throne and you start listening to your own heartly sinful counsel, your heart can justify anything you want to chase in life. And a lot of people end up in messes, big messes, their lives all tangled up like these Christmas lights last Sunday because they take God off the throne and whatever it is they're chasing, whatever it is they want, they put that on the throne and therefore they listen to their own advice so they can chase it. And they end up making wrong decisions and they end up in a mess. That's where some of you are right now. And, and you don't have to be an older person to have done that. Teenagers do that all the time. You want something so bad, you chase it. And you make decisions based on what you want. And you listen to yourself. And you don't listen to God. You don't listen to godly people. And you go after it. In your outline and on the screen, the words to Jeremiah chapter 8. Verse 6 where he says, No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? I mean, you don't need to repent of anything if you don't think you've done anything wrong. If you've listened to yourself and justified yourself, there's nothing to turn from. Everyone turned, pursued his own course like a, like a horse charging, rushing into battle. I mean, they're like that coyote chasing the roadrunner. They want it so bad. You want it so bad. You justify it in your heart. And you chase it and you chase it and you charge after it. And you go forward like a horse rushing to the finish line. And you're going to go full steam in that direction. Jeremiah 18, 12, he said, They will say, It is hopeless, vain, useless, empty. For we are going to follow or walk or continue in our own plans. And each of us will act or do according to the stubbornness of his own heart. 
God says, listen, Jeremiah, those, those people in the city of J- Jerusalem you've been preaching to for three decades, they're going to do whatever they want. They've already made up their mind they're not going to listen to me. They're not inclining their ears in my direction. They're listening to their own advice, to their own counsel. And like that racehorse, they're going to charge after it with a full head of steam. And they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to do whatever it is they want to do because their heart is stubborn. And they don't know it, but their heart is tainted with sin. And so if you want to know, is there idolatry in your life? Is there a place? Maybe this is a better way to ask it. Is there a place in your life, a part of your life, where you've put God off the throne? And in that one area, you're chasing something else, not God. And because that, you're not listening to God, and you're running like that horse, and you're going to do whatever you want to do. That's one of the signs of idolatry. That's one of the ways people approach life that often gets us in trouble. Here's a second way it comes to fruition in life. Sinful living, immorality, becomes the norm instead of the exception. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4. You're in chapter 7. Just go back a few pages and look at verse 22. Chapter 4, verse 22, he says, For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children and have no understanding. Now notice the end of verse 22. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not know. When he says they are shrewd to do evil, it means they're skilled at it. Your Bible may translate they are wise at doing evil. In other words, they've gotten really good and crafty and skilled at doing what God says is immoral. Is there a better verse to describe our modern culture than that one? The world that you and I live in today is so skilled at doing what is wrong. We've almost perfected it to an art. But when it comes to doing good, to doing what is right, man, we struggle with that. We're really good at doing what's wrong. We struggle to know how to do what's right. When idolatry happens, when God gets off the throne and we chase other things instead of Him, that's where we, that's where we tend to end up. In Jeremiah chapter 9, he said, they proceed from evil to evil, from one sin to another sin. Now, their sins were more than idolatry. That idolatry showed up in everyday life. In Jeremiah chapter 7, if you'll go back there for just a moment, he talks about it in verses 5 and 6. He lists some of their sins, telling them to amend their ways. He said, if you practice justice between a man and his neighbor, judgment or good decisions. In other words, make good decisions about how you treat people about how you deal with people. If you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, those who are less fortunate, those who are weak, those who are powerless, those who are struggling, how you treat them matters. How we as a culture treat them matters. Do not shed innocent blood, nor walk after other gods. Look at verse 9. Stealing, murder, committing adultery, swearing falsely, lying. About 80 years after Jerusalem was, was destroyed, there was another prophet by the name of Zechariah. The people who wanted to had been allowed to come back home, but not many of them had returned. And after all those decades, Jerusalem was still pretty much in ruins. The temple was still pretty much in ruins. 
And Zechariah, 80 years later, was preaching, and, and he reminded them of what God had said to, the, to, to their forefathers. These are the descendants he's talking to. And he reminded them of what God had said to their forefathers back there in Jerusalem when the city was still populated and it was a prosperous place before the city was destroyed by the Babylonians. And, and he said that God said to your forefathers if they would repent and stop sinning that he'd heal their land and they would not suffer the consequences, but they wouldn't listen. And some of the sins that he mentioned, listen to this, dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. Justice, how we treat people, kindness, compassion. See, God pays attention to how you treat people at school and people at work and people in your neighborhood and people at church. Let me, let me be candid for a minute. If you're a jerk, God knows it. And He cares. If, if you don't know how to be kind and compassionate, you don't know how to be forgiving and tender, God knows. If you're always harsh, God knows. If you're always up in somebody's face and you say, oh, that's just me, God knows. And God says, I want my people to be kind and compassionate and have justice in how they treat people. He said, don't oppress the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the poor. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. All these plans for how you're going to get what you want no matter what it does to somebody else. He said they refused to pay attention, turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. Because God's off the throne, you're chasing something else, that's on the throne, that's idolatry. And then you start making decisions. You do what you want, you justify it in yourself. And all of a sudden, you start doing things that are wrong. And after a little while, the wrong becomes the norm. You, you, you've been living with anger for, for a long time. You, you've been struggling with alcohol or drugs for a long time. You've been unfaithful so many times. It becomes the norm. You lie. You steal. God, listen, God knows what you do on your tax return. You want the real test of integrity? God knows what you do on your tax return. On and on he goes. Sin becomes the norm. Not the exception. But let me move on real quickly. Here's another way it shows up. They refuse to take the time needed to do any real, deep, serious soul searching. They just didn't do serious soul searching. They didn't take the time to step back and look in the mirror and evaluate their life. And evaluate where they were headed, what their decisions were going to lead to Ultimately, I mentioned last week the Lamentations is, a, is Jeremiah's lament. It's his book of sorrow about the condition of Jerusalem and what happened to the people and to the city. And in chapter 1, verse 9, he said, She, Judah, Jerusalem, 
did not consider, didn't take any thought of her future or her destiny, her end. And therefore she has fallen astonishingly. Some of you are like that, that horse and you're, you're racing, you're charging, you're rushing full steam ahead doing what you want to do. And you, you find yourself, the further you run, the harder you run, the faster you run, starting to make more bad decisions than you used to. Starting to make more wrong decisions, sinful decisions, less God-honoring decisions than you used to. And you sort of know it. But you're too busy running. You're too busy rushing ahead to slow down, stop, and take an honest look and seriously consider the outcome. That if you keep running that direction, where are you going to end up? What makes you think if you keep running as hard as you can that way, you're going to end up over there? You've been running up debt, 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 and you're still rushing headlong into debt because you won't take the time to be honest about where you are and don't understand that if you keep doing it the way you've always done it, it's never going to get better. Ultimately, you're going to fall off that cliff if you haven't already. That if you keep flirting with that woman, that guy at work, and you kind of know you shouldn't, but you're still doing it, and you keep rushing down that path, like Wiley Coyote, you're gonna you're you're you're, you're headed for a fall, and it's gonna be a hard one because you won't take time to consider the outcome, the destiny, the end result, the future of the path you're charging down. People who don't think about life end up in messes. People who don't evaluate the direction they're running end up in messes. Every one of us, as children of God, need to take one day every year, I encourage you to do this in December or January as a rule, one day where you just get alone with God and His Word and you honestly evaluate your life and where you're going. And then let God help you make some changes. Because you're not going to get somewhere different if you don't change some things. It just won't happen. And that's how they were living before the destruction of Jerusalem. They, they didn't want to change anything. They wouldn't think about it. They wouldn't do any real soul searching. Jeremiah 17, verse 15, they, they were saying, Jeremiah, uh, they, they kept saying to him, look, look. They kept saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. You see, for 30 years, here, here's what he's saying. Look at that. For 30 years, Jeremiah had been telling them, God's going to judge you if you don't change your ways. For 30 years, he had been telling them, a mess is coming, a mess is coming, a mess is coming if you don't change your ways. And they had gotten so used to doing it their own way, they'd gotten so used to all those decisions, they, they had gotten so used to kind of getting by with it, 
they didn't worry about the future. And they would say, hey, Jeremiah, you say God's going to judge us, that the mess is coming, the fall is coming. We don't believe you. It's been 20 years, hasn't happened. 25 years, hasn't happened. 30 years, hasn't happened. Where's the word of the Lord? Let it come now. See, here's the thing. Consequences do not always show up immediately. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's the next day. Sometimes it's a week down the road. Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's a year. Occasionally it's a decade. It might be two decades. It might be three decades. In the case of Jerusalem and Judea, it was almost four decades. It might be the judgment time. You see, they don't always show up immediately. Here's the thing. Sin always finds us out. It always shows up eventually. Always. Always. How often did I say? How often? How often? It's just not always immediate, but it is always. And God says, take some time to reflect. Don't be deceived by the fact that it hasn't happened yet. Let, let, me, let me show you in Jeremiah 7 how bad it really was. I mentioned that Jeremiah standing at the entrance of the temple preaching this sermon. And look what he says in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Verse 2. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say. Now here's what he said. Here's what he preached. Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. It had not at that point reached the, the, the moment of no return. It eventually did, as we saw last Sunday, but at this moment it had not. Do not, do not trust in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. You see, the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem had become so enamored with the fact that they were the people of God. I mean, they had been Jews. They had been the people of God since birth. It's like some in church will often joke, you know, I've been going to church since before I was born. And they were proud of that. And they thought it made them somebody. They thought it made them special. And here's Jeremiah standing outside the temple. And it's like they would say, you see that building you see up there? You see that temple? That's God's house. This is God's hill. This is God's city. We're God's people. God's house up there, that's where God dwells. Inside that temple is the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And inside that Ark of the Covenant are the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod and some of the manna. And on top of that Ark of the Covenant are those cherubim, those carved angel figures with their wings facing, creating the, the throne of God. And in that Holy of Holies, on that cherub, on that Ark of the Covenant, that's God's throne. God's there. God's in there. God's house, God's building, God's city, God's people. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to us. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. God's not going to let anything happen to His temple. God's not going to let anything happen to His people. 
It's like even during the time of Jesus and the Gospels, when he was dealing with some of the Jewish people, they kept saying, but Abraham's our father, Abraham's our father, Abraham's our father, Abraham's our father. That blood runs through our vein. We're somebody. And if I can give you the Steve Hogg paraphrase of how Jesus responded, this is it. So what? He said, you're listening to deceptive words. You show up to this place to worship and and because that building is there and you say it's God's and you're God's people, you don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to worry about your decisions. You don't have to worry about consequences because you're somebody. Even though you've taken God off the throne of your life and you've put Him over here and like a wild horse you're chasing something or someone else, doing whatever you want to get that thing you're chasing because you're not chasing God. And and you've done it to the point that sin has become the norm. And one passage in Jeremiah says it's so bad you can no longer even blush. You're so used to doing what you do that you don't even blush anymore when you do something wrong. And you're not thinking about the future and you're not worried about it. He says you're listening to deceptive words, false teachers and your own heart that will lead you astray more often than not. Verse 8 of chapter 7, Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. You still murder, commit adultery, fair swear falsely. Now look at verse 10. And then you come and stand before me in this house, which is by called, my, called by my name, and you say we are delivered because of who we are and where we are. It's going to be okay that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a, become a den of robbers in your sight? That's the passage Jesus quoted in the Gospels. And turning God's house into a den of robbers doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we sell CD tapes out in the lobby. God's house is a place where people who are sinners and struggling in life are to come because they're seeking God, they're seeking truth, they're seeking direction, they're seeking hope, they're seeking help, they're seeking forgiveness, they're seeking a new way, they're seeking a better way. But what turns God's house into a den of robbers is people who say, we're somebody. And they stand and say, we love Jesus, 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 we love Jesus. Jesus." But out there in the real world, Monday through Saturday, nothing in their life looks like they love Jesus. It's not the sinners who are seeking help. It's the hypocrites who show up every week saying, I'm somebody, when the truth is they're nobody. That's what turns God's house into a den of robbers. When we who have been saved get to the point we are so complacent and we so take for granted who God is, And we don't think there's any consequence. It doesn't really matter. We're the people of God. We're the people of God. We're the people of God. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. No need to worry. 
And God says, I want you to take time to think about your future and what's on the throne of your life and the mess that you might be creating for yourself. Well, I've got to wrap it up. I'm out of time. They were stubborn. Jeremiah 5.23, this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. And then lastly, they had a superficial religion. A superficial religion. I mean, how can you get any more superficial than the scene that was just described in Jeremiah 7 where they come into the temple of God to worship saying, we're okay, we're safe, no problem, no problem, no problem, even though during the week they were living like anything but the people of God. In Jeremiah chapter 12, Jeremiah's praying. He's talking to God. And Jeremiah says to the Lord, he said, God, he said, you are near their lips. You're, you're on their mouth, their tongue, but far from their mind, far from their heart, far from their conscience. King James translates it, far from their reins, like the the reins attached to the bit, the bridle on a horse to control it, to direct it. God, you're on their lips all the time. They're always using your name. But when it comes to their mind and to their heart and to their conscience and to the reins that direct the direction of their life, you're far from there. You're far from there. You see, when you start chasing something more than you want to chase Jesus as a believer, it's so easy to go down the path they traveled. And you know how you you get to the place they got to? One decision at a time. One day at a time. But how many of you have lived long enough to realize that days turn into months and months turn into years and years turn into decades in the blink of an eye? And decisions that once were difficult now are easy. How many of you have gone through a period of you know somebody, man, they, they, they used to be in church all the time, but then they started missing a little bit, and then they started missing a little bit more, and then they started missing a lot. You started running up a little bit of debt, then you ran up a little bit more debt, then you ran up some more debt, and then the next thing you know, you had a lot of debt. And you couldn't dig out. You started not paying attention to your husband, to your wife. One thing led to another. Is this resonating? See, when you chase the Lord, you look at life differently. When you don't chase the Lord, you look at life differently. And and you're going to listen to somebody, so you're either going to listen to his counsel or you're going to listen to something else. And the one you listen to determines where you end up. So let's stand, and after I pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your way to the front and, 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 and pray and talk to the Lord here. Some of you need to join this church and some of you need to give your life to Christ, but others of you just need to kneel here and confess sin. So let me pray and then we're going to sing and pastors will be here and 
And I invite you to come. Father, all over this room are people who need to make decisions that matter. Help each of us, Father, to listen to your voice, to respond to it, and to obey you. Give each of us courage, Father, to step out and do what we need to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing together, you come right now. Quickly, come on.